Mindy Cox. Hey, it's Nikki Llewellyn and you're on Gut Plus Science. This podcast is on a mission to increase engagement at work. And on this show, we equip CEOs and people first leaders of all levels to make impact. Let's get to it. Hey, Gut Plus Science listeners, it's Nikki. This show is named Gut Plus Science because of the need for both the heart, gut, and experiences mixed with data and science to be the very best leaders that we can be. We constantly have to pursue growth in both areas to make great decisions and practice leadership that truly influences people for the better or moves them forward. So today, we're really going to be digging into a lot of that. We've got an executive leader from OC Tanner with us, which practices so much of the gut plus science mantra. So today, I get to chat with Mindy Cox, Chief Marketing and People Officer at OC Tanner, and we're diving into the topic of belonging and how to lead belonging in the workplace. She's a passionate lady. You'll see. Mindy, welcome to Gut Plus Science. Let's talk about the evolution of the workplace covenant. In the past, loyalty was the primary focus or need of humans at work. Like when my parents were in the height of their career, I saw this. And there's been a few iterations since. I'd love if you can expand on the topic of the workplace covenant to kick us off and share the evolution and really the biggest need for workers today. Nikki, thanks so much for having me here today. This is one of my favorite topics and I think so timely. I mean, work is on everyone's mind. We're sort of reinventing and reimagining the role that work plays in our lives. And that's really been an evolution, a long evolution over time. As we think about that, when work started, really formalized work that was outside of our homes and survival, going outside of our homes to bring means back to help our families, it was about survival, often for the self. And we saw it through from effort to reward. And we were working for others. We were working for capital. We were replaceable. It was all about our hands, what we did. And there were no need for heads and hearts to be on the lines, those first production lines as people came to work. But as time went on, we see a shift and work became more than just an exchange of effort for money. And work holds potential for meaning and helping us realize some growth and inner potential in all of us. And we start seeing the rise of leadership as a skill, as an art, as a belief that we can inspire hearts and minds and that will make a difference in the work that we produce. I think what's amazing about that is we really do see over the last several decades this expectation that work will be meaningful, that we can craft meaningful work. It's kind of been this theoretical thing that a few people have found and a few people can cultivate their passions into a living, but more and more people want that for themselves. We see employers responding to that and investing in growing and developing employees. There becomes an increasing appetite for feedback in the form of not only pay, but praise and promotion and title and opportunity and rotations. And how are you going to grow me and pour into me? How can I be more when I leave this place than when I showed up? And then we kind of get to this exhausted topic of the pandemic reset. And it was radical enough and necessary enough and destabilizing enough for every company and every person. There's really only after. There's no going back. There's no let's return to normal. What is normal? There is no pre-pandemic state that we can all hope to return to. And I think so many people are glad for that. And it has really changed the way that we think about work. I think this reset really caused a collective and accelerated rethink. Do I care about what I do? Does it matter? Do I matter? Does my company think I matter? Do I care about what we do? And did I see and feel for them care for me? 
during a time that was really destabilizing. So there's a lot of accountability going on on both sides of that equation right now. We used to think about work as the center of our lives. We would get a job and then decide where we're going to live and build a life around where our job was located. And now we're choosing a life and finding work that fits into our life. And I think it's very nuanced. It's very new and companies and people are finding all kinds of ways to adapt to that. But it's also very encouraging because we're seeing all of this awareness about our collective humanity return to the workplace and into the leadership mindset and into companies who are thinking more deeply about what they do and how they do it. There's so much goodness in the shift that is happening, but I also know it's really complex for a lot of leaders in many workplaces, this balance of like, there's so much goodness, but a lot of change. So Mindy, belonging has become a hot topic and workplace initiative, and you have a strong desire to inspire leadership to influence belonging. Can you talk about belonging at work? And let's just kind of level set on this topic before we dig into it a little bit deeper. Absolutely. So I think for a long time, we have surveyed employees about trust and we expect people to trust leadership, to trust the company, to understand what we're doing and why we're doing it. But I think the shift in work and also just the evolution of leadership thinking has been more about a fair exchange of that and the magic that happens when we are both asking, what can I give? So that trust has to flow both ways. And the social consciousness that has been deeply overdue for so long is now unavoidable in every setting, which is a great thing. And it's also given license to people whose voices may have represented a change or an uncomfortable truth for companies to say, I get to expect to feel to belong as well. And what we are just reaffirming, I have to say more than ever, because this has been not only a hunch of ours, but a practice of ours for a long time, is that belonging really happens at the closest relationship that an employee has in the company. And for us, that means that we really need to pour into frontline leadership. And the fact that we can have awesome benefits and an awesome purpose and wonderful products and amazing clients. And if that day-to-day experience with someone's immediate leader does not foster a sense of belonging, a fact that I not only belong here, but I'm wanted here, I'm valued here, I'm needed here, I add to the synergy of my team and what we are able to deliver collectively, that's where it breaks down. There's nothing that we can do writ large at a corporate level that will ever substitute for an immediate leader making sure that their employees know two things at the end of the day. One, do I matter? And two, was that okay? And at the end of the day, that is belonging. That's knowing that you need me and I want to be here and I get to contribute my whole self. You see me as a person and you see me as a set of skills that you are also investing in. But we have this, we're in relationship, which may seem like a strange word to use at work, but it's absolutely true. We're humans in a relationship. And if we foster all of the right things, there can be a great exchange that happens and a lot of growth on both sides of that. Absolutely. We've been seeing this high emphasis on DEI work, diversity, equity, inclusion work for a while now. And we're starting to see belonging come into that DEIB. I'd love for you to speak to this a little bit, particularly around how belonging and inclusion are different, but where they intersect. So DEI work is necessary. It's foundational. It's the beginning of really getting to what we all want, which is the outcome of people feeling like they belong. And this question of, do I feel that I belong? 
at fill in the blank company? Do I feel that I belong in this team? Do I feel that I belong in this practice? That's all of the golden ring outcome of DE&I work. I would picture it kind of like the awareness of all of the differences or characteristics or identities that make up our employee population. We have put some energy and effort around support systems that say, we see you and that's great. But the difference of we want you and you're part of us and we're all collectively in this together and what matters to you matters to me. And it's not just an initiative or a few committees that orbit the core of the organizational purpose, but it's central to who we are. That's belonging. That's knowing that you don't create a separate program so that I feel like I matter to you. It's that I actually matter and I can feel it in everything I do, that really integrated sense of belonging. Mindy, going back to the frontline leader focus that you spoke of, you have a strong belief in putting the strongest emphasis for growth and development on those frontline leaders. I'd love for you to tell us where that fire comes from in you. And also if we could mentor our listeners for a minute from you on just some of the best practices to really pouring into these frontline leaders. I don't know a moment where I just had this light click on and, you know, who even knows if it's an epiphany that is my own, but I just know that when I was observing things that we were trying to affect from a corporate level, whether it's benefits programs, whether it's events, whether it's celebrations or aligning team members to strategic initiatives, the person who had the most influence on whether or not team members believed things would happen, whether or not they believed they could make a difference whether or not they had line of sight to how their work contributed to what we were trying to accomplish as a company was this frontline leader conversation. Because I cannot scale a team of even an army of HR professionals that reiterates that message more clearly or with more integrity than a frontline leader can. Because they know the work, they know the individuals. And if they are doing their job as a leader well, they understand how to speak in a language that their team really understands. They know what outcomes matter most to their team. And so we get this amazing translation of <laughs> what matters to the company writ large, translated by a leader who says, you know how we care about this deeply as a team? This is the thread that runs through all of that. And that's why we're going to be 100% behind this initiative or whatever it is. And part of the way that we get awareness around that level of influence, and it absolutely is influence, that's something that we really emphasize to our leaders. We cannot drive, we cannot mandate, we cannot charge people to do anything. They have to choose it. So our role as leaders is really to influence them to understand why that choice matters to them, why the outcomes matter to them, how they can uniquely contribute to that. And that influence then allows someone to choose in because making somebody do something that is not something that they believe in is never the most effective way to get really sustainable outcomes. So having that conversation, especially with first-time leaders, who were likely a member of the team prior to being elevated to a leadership position and saying, we know that you're going to show up to building looks the same, language is the same, the work looks the same, but your influence in this ecosystem has changed because you've accepted the responsibility of being a leader. And let's talk really explicitly about how your job is different now. 
I remember a really impactful conversation where I had a first-time leader come into my office and I said, I'm so proud of you. Congratulations on your promotion. How's it going? And she said to me, you know, this is harder than I thought it was going to be. She said, I cannot get done what I used to get done in a day. I said, well, talk to me about that. She said, well, it's just the people, these team members, they're coming to me all the time with questions or concerns and things that I need to help them with. I can't get to the work. And it was a really big moment because I said, hey, time out. We obviously have done an injustice to you if we haven't had a clear enough conversation to say the work is not the work anymore. The people, that is everything that you should be concerned with as a leader. So whatever they are asking from you, whatever they need to be able to produce the work at a level that you feel proud of, that is your work now. So don't feel like you're not getting to the work because the people are in the way. The people are your work now. And it just was this moment of shift for her. And I hope that we're doing a great job at making sure that we have that conversation with every leader, that they can understand both the responsibility and the influence they have with the people they lead every day. That's such a great example because I think so many struggle with that when you're used to knocking off tasks on the list and you go into leadership and it's your quote unquote tasks are your people stuff. It's just such a different experience. And so I'm really glad that you brought that up because I've heard those stories over and over and we just need to reiterate them more. Thank you for sharing that. I'd love to go a bit deeper on your heart for frontline leadership. And you talked about scaling culture. And I want to talk a little bit more about the importance of identifying and equipping influencers. Can you go a little bit deeper on that? I mean, we all know that there are leaders with a title in an organization and leaders who are just the people that people go to, to say, do we believe in this? Is this okay? They are the influencers in the organization and they may or may not have a title. And so just helping frontline leaders know, one, they have a mandate to lead via their title, but they also want to be somebody that people trust to tell them really what's going on and really should I care about this and really is it going to be okay? So one, I think equipping influencers, one, it starts with just fostering that level of awareness. One, you are in a position of influence and that means that you show up in a way that one, you understand what it is you're advocating for. You have to have a deep knowledge of why the company is doing what it's doing. If you don't know that, that's fine. It's totally legitimate to ask the questions that you need to ask to get the clarity you need to be able to communicate to your team in a really authentic way. So we've been through that a lot. I have to say over the last couple of years, leaders coming back and saying, I just need to talk this through. Help me understand because I want to show up in a way that's really credible to my team. And if I don't believe it, they're going to feel it. So help me understand why we're making this change. Help me understand why we're adopting this hybrid work policy. Help me understand whatever that is. And those conversations are really valuable. And I think some first time or frontline leaders may shy away from them because they may think senior leadership views that as that they're not behind the initiative or they're not behind it. But seeking to understand is a really important quality in a leader. And so we never want to discourage anyone in those positions from really seeking to understand so that they can show up in a way for their team that's really credible. We also emphasize through training, conversations, hopefully modeling, that empathy is the superpower of leaders. Really understanding your people, their concerns, their needs. The work is important, yes, but if we don't have a tenuous home situation cared for, if we don't show awareness about some life events that are going on in your team member's life, if there isn't a support system for the things that they care about, even the passions they have around volunteering, 
it all becomes a distraction from whether or not they believe that the work that they're doing is worthy of their time. We're asking them to give the better part of their days, their lives at great sacrifice to other choices that they have about how they spend their time and where they expend their energy. And they need to know that we care about the work, yes, but we care about them. And so what is the more holistic view of the circumstances that need to surround them? So that they can not only believe that they're spending their time in the best way possible, but that also limits all the distractions or concerns that are very real and very legitimate, but also something that would take away from their ability to focus on where we need their expertise and their effort. I really want to touch on data, and I know that that is really key in your work at OC Tanner. Let's talk about the power of data and tools to really move people forward and really partner around these other practices like equipping and empowering influencers. So if you could dive into the data side of things for a minute. Sure. Who doesn't love good data, right? When it's, I do. You know, when, I love it. when you're with people, sometimes you think, gosh, can this really be quantified? How can I see the invisible? And for our team, it really is about sort of surfacing what we can't observe. And so surfacing things that people either haven't been asked or haven't had a forum to discuss, but that are relevant to the workplace experiences and the outcomes that we're trying to generate. So we measure employee experiences by team, and we use that information to pair leaders who are succeeding in one area with those that are struggling. Our holy grail is a consistency of great experience across the organization. It's not okay for us to have half a dozen teams that are extremely happy and high performing and another half a dozen teams that somehow are having a very opposite experience. So if we can get to a consistency of experience, that's really where we start to see some magic. And one of the ways that we can do that is not by calling a leader to task and saying, look, they're doing it over here. What's your problem? It's modeling the small things that are working for different teams. And I really do think it's the small things. Let's just pair you with this leader who the data tells us has higher scores in this area. It's not that they just have happier team members. Let me just dispel that myth. If you had their team, you'd have their scores. We really believe in the influence of leadership. So let's take a look at the little things they're doing. And I'm telling you, every time we do that, we will have a leader come back and go, you know, I thought it was like their team meeting agendas and the way they did this. But I just noticed that they do shout outs at the beginning of the day, that they walk in and say good morning to each other. They have a team lunch once a month. And it's these little tiny practices that are not necessarily the work as it's defined, but it is the practice of leadership that they're able to observe in each other. And what a reinforcing thing that is, right? Both for the leader that's succeeding and the one that's saying, I don't know what I'm not doing. And for them to discover that on their own, instead of somebody coming in and telling them that they're failing without any sort of mirror or vision of what successful leadership looks like to our team members, it's huge. What is key to making all of these actions that we've talked about today stick? I think making sure that you're very consistent about the message is job number one. I think there are some times where organizations get very tempted to try whatever the latest article that somebody read about something that another organization had success with. It's so easy to go to a conference or read an article or see a case study and say, you know, that's the outcome we're trying to get to. Let's try that. But I think knowing deeply what your culture is about and knowing deeply what your employee value proposition is, getting clear on the experience that you're trying to create really necessitates a very custom approach. 
So whatever you're tempted to try, I would ask to deconstruct it a bit and say, okay, what is it that we're tempted by? One, it's probably the outcome. Two, if it feels like it's a super viable approach, what is our approach? What is our organization's version of this? Because sometimes we get wrapped up in following the letter of a recommendation and it's so custom to the organization that's implemented it. And those nuances about why would we be doing this now? We've never done anything like this before. It feels out of the blue. It feels like it's a storm that's going to pass and you will watch people wait it out, wait out the initiatives. But when you are very thoughtful about making whatever effort you're trying to make meet you in the moment that your organization's at and feel very much a version of your own and then committing to it being consistent, whether that's employee experience surveys, whether that's town halls, whether that's walking around, whether that's telling stories, whether that's recognizing people in a certain way and a certain frequency, whatever you commit to, I just believe in the power of the consistency of that and not abandoning it for the next great thing that you've seen somebody else do. I love that message because how easy it is to read a Brene Brown book and you see this amazing story illustrated in there about what a workplace did and then how it moved the needle. And it's like, we're going to go in this week and we're going to do that. You know, it's so tempting to do those things. So I think it's a great reminder to stick to your core, your core strategy and really evaluate what you say yes to. I love that reminder. So before we transition to the lightning round, I'd love if you can share a little bit about your work at OC Tanner and particularly how you all advance belonging at work. We are inspired by the topic of belonging. And this has been something that's been a long time coming through the research that the OC Tanner Institute has been doing for years in our global culture report. We release a global culture report every September. It becomes this dog-eared source of truth and guidepost for my team about what the work is ahead. It's really a global survey of tens of thousands of employees and their experiences and what is really coming to the surface as influencing workplace experience, who's influencing it, and why it matters, and the outcomes that it has on great work. How do we inspire and create great work and outcomes for our organization? And over the course of the last few years, we've really been studying social connection, especially in the workplace. And this has evolved, and I'm thrilled because the initial research is just coming out on this. This has evolved into this idea of belonging and how critical belonging is to the core of somebody being able to say, I'm fully here. And I'm fully ready to volunteer that special thing that only I can give. You can pay me to do a lot of stuff, but we've all had those days where you've given that something that nobody can buy from you. You have volunteered that special part of you that creates something beyond the work. And so when we can get to more of that, it's better for companies, it's better for people, it's better for teams. There's joy in the work. Part of our study of that has been what influences social connection. And it is the things that you would expect, establishing rapport with teammates and the efforts that leaders are going to, to really let people know, signal to them that every time that they speak about something that's authentically them, that is not only welcome, but celebrated. And the influence of that is really an above average sense of well-being at work by teammates who experience that. And we know that foundationally, if you have a high sense of well-being, you're just able to give more. And so it's just such a wonderful synergistic cycle. And everything that we can do to influence belonging is going to return tenfold. <laughs> I'm just excited to share some of the science and the data around that research later this fall. 
I love that. Thank you so much. And we'll include that in the show notes. So all of you can look for some links to find some resources from OC Tanner. So I have loved our time today. Mindy, thank you so much for sharing your time and your learnings with us. It's so important for all of us to work on helping people say, yes, I matter. And I feel like the work I'm doing is making a difference. And just so thankful that you were able to influence and mentor us today. We're going to take a quick break and head over to our lightning round where we get to learn a few things about the personal side of you, Mindy. We'll be right back. If you're leading with a people-first mindset, which most likely you are because you're listening to Gut Plus Science, join People Forward Network, the largest community of humans on a shared mission to lead meaningful work. You can find us at peopleforwardnetwork.com or follow People Forward Network on LinkedIn. All right, we're back on Gut Plus Science with Mindy Cox, and we're going to dive into the lightning round, which is a lot of fun. So Mindy, got a couple questions for you. This one's sometimes a tough one, so we do it kind of like optional. Your favorite book of all time or a favorite recent read? I'd have to say my favorite recent read is probably My Life in Full by Indra Nui, fantastic CEO for PepsiCo and such an amazing career journey, very inspiring, mostly because not only from the point of view that she's a wildly talented, wickedly smart woman who under every set of circumstances found a way to succeed, but I really was inspired by the connections that she made with those she worked with and how they brought each other along and how you lift. You know, when you're climbing, you turn around and you grab somebody's hand and you give them the next opportunity. So love that book. Probably favorite book of all time, I would say The Law of Divine Compensation by Marianne Williamson. It's kind of just an approach to trusting and giving your best and knowing that it's always going to come back. Awesome. How about your favorite hobby when you're not working? My favorite hobby when I'm not working is just being outside. I love to run. I've done dozens of marathons. So that's just free therapy in my book. So just keep moving every day. It gets a little slower every year, but as long as we're moving forward, we're winning. And where's your favorite vacation spot? Vacation is so fun, isn't it? It's fun to be thinking about traveling again. But I would say my favorite vacation spot is anywhere with my love, my kids and a beach. So water is good. And Mindy, how can our listeners connect with you after the show today? Oh, I would love and welcome those connections if anyone's interested in talking more. You can find me on LinkedIn at Mindy Cox, M-I-N-D-I-C-O-X, or you're welcome to reach out to me via email as well. So Mindy.cox at octanner.com. I would love to meet you. Such a great episode with Mindy Cox. So many great key takeaways. And here's my truth you can act on from my time with Mindy today. Number one, what if we all, employers and employees, adopted these mindsets? What can I give? And am I helping people feel they belong and matter? This would change the world. Meditate or reflect on how you, the one listening right now, can apply this in your efforts. What can I give? And how am I helping people feel they belong and matter? Number two, empower and equip frontline leaders to be influencers and help them own their role as an advocate. Great way to scale making changes. Number three, data helps us surface the things we can't observe. Ensure that you're leveraging data as a component to all of your efforts. And number four, a reminder about consistency. Stay consistent in your message and selective to what you say yes to, ensuring that the yeses stick to your core strategy. Such great key takeaways all around helping people feel a sense of belonging and a sense of they matter at work. Thank you so much, Mindy. We'll see you next time. 
just left the world a little bit better. Now go do something with it.